You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, how's everybody doing out there? Welcome back to Earth Station One, and we are here this week to talk about one of our favorite board games made into a movie. That's right, folks. We are talking all about Clue, a true whodunit, and an original film in so many different ways with an extending cast and a great plot line and three different endings. Pretty fun stuff to talk all about. And we'll do that in just a little bit. And this is the man who is going to be my co-host once again this evening. The man who always has a clue. Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. You ready for a whodunit, sir? It's it's funny you say that because I don't think I've ever owned the game clue. Really? So, yes. I am shocked. <laughs> shocked, I tell you. Um, I am, I'm definitely shocked. Yeah, I uh I'm a big fan of whodunits. I always have been a big fan of detective mystery uh books, stories, written comics, uh, you know, whatever movies. But uh I can't ever recall owning the game. I don't think we ever had the game. Must have been must my parents must have deemed it was too violent. Wow. Have you ever played it? Um not that I recall. Wow. So yeah, what a deprived childhood! <laughs> no, I feel like so uh, so uh, out of the loop on this one. No, um, uh, I do remember seeing the movie, uh, not in the theater. I did see it uh, on in cable on cable. I think shortly thereafter or whatever. But um, but yeah, I uh, so but um, yeah, especially since um, I have been. Uh, immersing myself in a lot of things uh, like a whodunits and Agatha Christie stuff uh, lately. Um, it's, this is right in my wheelhouse. So I'm glad to, glad to, uh, that we're talking about it this week. That is pretty darn awesome. I'm really impressed that you, you were able to do that, you know, at least to immerse yourself in different forms of entertainment and everything. Ha! Yeah. I mean, we have that kind of time, right? Well, of course. And that's the the fun part about it. You know, we have nothing but time right now. When we want to hear from you guys at home, how are you guys spending your time and everything? Are you guys, you know, watching lots of movies, playing a lot of video games? I know, you know, folks are, you know, talking all about, you know, different things on cable and, you know, just, different video games that have come out. I know, you know, there's a, what a farm game or something that a lot of people are playing out over on uh, the, I think it's the Nintendo switch. We are so not hip. We are very unhip. We are (laughs) so not hip here on the show. You should know that by now. I just, yeah. Two old guys, uh, you know, talking about a board game movie. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. We're just like, all right, let's talk about this thing. We'll warm up the Motorola TV and get going. And we'll dial down to Sarah and she'll call, you know, Sheriff Opie and Anthony and whatever, you know, it'll be cool. And I couldn't even go there, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys. <laughs> Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. 
would be great if you could. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, you know, definitely, you know, tell us what's going on. How's everybody doing? And please, please, please tell us, are you being safe? That's the big thing. We definitely would love to, you know, find out, you know, how everyone's doing. And it's just, it's just a very, very weird time. And, you know, it's just getting weirder and weirder things going on. People are talking about opening things back up before too soon. And it's, I just, it's just, it's just crazy. And I don't want to get into politics. I don't want to get into any of that. So we'll keep on moving on as we like to say. Move on. Yes. Uh, Definitely, you know, want to give a shout out to our patrons and big thank you to Bill Lamond, who is one of our patrons and he listens to us. Uh, he's actually working as, I think, as a fir- he basically is, uh, he cleans buildings and such, and he's cleaning for first responders right now. And wanted to give him a big old shout out. You know, thank you, thank you for helping the ESO network out. Thank you for writing us little reviews all the time up on our patron site about, you know, what episodes you like, what you don't like. And I'm just enjoying, you know, hearing from you and everything. And you too can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. And I know things are tight, but, you know, it's a dollar. If you want to help support ESO and Earth Station One, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Doesn't get any much easier than that. And we've got a lot of great things up there and stuff. And speaking of great, great things. We have a new sponsor up here on the network and for Earth Station One specifically. Did you know about that? I guess you didn't because you didn't say yes. So you're talking to me. Sorry. I was talking to either you or the people (laughs) at home. Usually you're the one who responds to everything. Uh, We actually have a new sponsor up here on Earth Station One. And we are welcoming, you ready for this, folks, Tafosi and... Tifosi is a gamer glass people talking about video games earlier um, and how uncool we are. They make uh, glasses to help your eyes so it doesn't get eye strain and such. Uh, Tifosi is a great, great company based out of here in Georgia. And they are basically, you know, gladly sponsoring Earth Station One. If we don't mess up this ad, of course, you know, they'll listen to it and say, pulling, yank. So Tifosi is a major brand in sports sunglasses, which has expanded into lifestyle eyewear with their $25 Swank series. Coming in a dozen different colors, you can now mix and match lenses and frames in the Tifosi customer shop so that you'll have a pair that's totally unique from thousands of possible combinations. Also available are custom blue light filtering gaming and computer glasses, like I was talking about earlier, perfect for the recently housebound people. So if you're playing too many games and you always feel your eyes are very worn out, these guys can help you out. You probably already have your pair of sunglasses, but you could never have too many pairs of shades. At $25 for the Swank series, it's easy to make your next pair of Tifosi, and you'll never go back to anything else. Use the code ESO Network at checkout for 10% off your order. All orders help support the ESO Network. And you could also, we have a banner ad on the ESO Network webpage on all the inner pages. You can actually now, you know, click on our banner ad. And it's pretty darn awesome that you can check out Tifosi. And hey, Mike, I have a pair of them right here. You ready to see the Tifosi sunglasses? 
am. Look at these, dude. Ta-da. Wow. I got them in a stylish red. It's pretty (laughs) awesome. They're pretty nice looking, actually. Yeah, and they're pretty cool, and they're very comfortable. And they even have it that if you need to, you can get them in your prescriptions if you have a prescription uh, for glasses and such, like I do. And you can get, you know, you know, your send them your prescription and when you order, and you can even get your sunglasses that way. So welcome aboard to FOSI. I hope we yes. pass the audition. The uh, the ESO network is now, our future is so bright, we need to wear shades. Damn straight. And if we're going to wear shades, we're wearing Tafosi shades. Damn straight. I like that. I like that. Look, I have to keep that one. And so if you want, like I said, if you want to go to the banner ad, uh, go to esonetwork.com, or you could just go to and or actually I think it's tafosioptics.com. And if you do that, you can then use the uh, use Ursta ESO network and you know the code, and you'll be able to get this in. So it's pretty cool. All right, rants and raves time. You ready to do some ranting and raving? I'm going to keep these cool sunglasses on for a little bit. <laughs> Abs- as always, you know we've been talking about it. You know we were offline. Mike and I were chatting about it. You know because. I still love buying CDs and I love buying DVDs and, you know, still having a hard copy of a book and everything. But I know a lot of people are going completely digital nowadays. And I know I'm kind of guilty about some of that and we'll chat about that, but I'm just curious, Mikey, what about you? Well, I mean, we've already established that we're not hip. So, uh, so if you saw me in these sunglasses, you wouldn't think I'm hip at all. (laughs) No, actually you look more hip with sunglasses. Okay. Uh, that's they, the sunglasses make you look more hip. That's another, uh, tagline. Um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, um, certainly with everything that's going on now, um, I am finding it, uh, a good, a good time, uh, or a good use of my time is to sort of sort through a lot of uh, things I have. And I got a ton of physical media, just a ton. Like oh, yeah. whether it's DVDs, video cassettes, yes, video cassettes. You still have uh, video cassettes. Oh man. I had a ton of them. Um, I had a ton of them. I've thrown um, a, most of them away, um, like 90%. Um, so I still have some, uh, it's uh, hard for me to let go of some things. But, um, uh, yeah, I had in the garage, I had boxes and boxes and boxes of video cassettes. Really? Um, oh yeah. Um, and, uh, I've still got tons of DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, CDs, uh, music CDs and software, you know, in various, uh, CD form. Um, and of course, comics, trades, uh, books. Uh, I mean, it's just tons and tons of, of physical media. So I'm, I'm wrestling with the fact that I need to get rid of some of that, a lot of it. Um, and so I definitely understand. I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of, you know, look, we're streaming everything now. Um, everybody's streaming stuff, whether it's uh, very, very true. We talked about our, what we're streaming, I think, uh, a couple few times. Weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. A few times. And we're always talking about it because everybody's always streaming. Right. Um, and, 
you know, it's, it's, you know, most people, most of the people get their music now from Spotify or uh, uh, iTunes music or some, or Amazon, like they all have different music uh, sources that uh, you can just stream whatever you want. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of incentive to go digital. Yeah, um, of course. But that. the thing is, you know, I could understand the dream of it because, you know, literally like with Apple music or Amazon music or one of the, or Spotify or, you know, one of those, they basically, you can listen to any song you want and with no problem at all. And it's pretty amazing that it's, you know, it's out there that you have the accessibility to it. Yeah. You have to pay seven bucks a month, eight bucks a month or something for Amazon, or if you want the full version of Spotify without the ads, you have to pay a couple bucks. I know same thing with, uh, you know, you know, the same thing with Apple and it's just, it's just amazing what, you know, what you can hear now and not to mention all the podcasts and everything, you know, what you get. And then, you know, most cars nowadays are, are equipped with satellite radio. Yep. So you don't even have to listen to local radio. And a lot of satellite radio is even commercial free. So you just. And absolutely. And, and look, I get it. It's compelling. Um, you know, but I will say that every time, every time, because, you know, Mike and I have, Mike and I are old enough that we've seen, we've seen uh, media come out in, in various formats over our lifetime. And oh, God, every yes. time, every time it happens, something gets left behind. Um, there are, there are, uh, albums that I have, um, and albums are uh, made a little bit of a comeback, but there are album uh, things I have on vinyl that have never been released. Otherwise there are movies that have come out on video cassette and then later on DVD and Blu-ray that have, are not available streaming. Uh, there are, there's music by bands and, and albums that I have that uh, have never been released or not available through Spotify or iTunes or Amazon or any of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't think there, you know, there's ever going to be a chance of getting rid completely of, uh, for me, of physical media. And so me, for me, it's just a balance of, um, I think, I think for all of those things though, I would say for me, probably movies are the one thing where I've definitely more on the side of streaming and digital because I don't buy near as many movies or shows or media on Blu-ray or DVDs as I used to. Oh, of course not. You know, most of uh, we've decided, you know, we've majorly cut back on movies that we buy because most of them are streaming now anyway. And how often do you watch you know, a movie over and over and over again that you couldn't stream now most of the time between all the different services and such. You know, I'll never get rid of my Doctor Who collection. As long as there's DVD players, I'll have my Doctor Who collection. But pretty much everything else might be up for grabs. And, you know, as like, you know, having recently purchased all of the tom baker run on dvd of course now it's coming out on blu-ray thank you for that bbc but um um 
you know, granted, I subscribe to BritBox, so I can watch any of those stories anytime I want to, um, from anywhere I want to. You know, I don't have to be home with my DVDs in order to watch them. I can be somewhere else uh, if I'm allowed to travel again. Um, and I can watch them on my phone. I can watch them on my computer, whatever, If I thanks to BritBox. However, that's the stories themselves. One thing about the, the BBC releases of many of those Doctor Who stories is they have great bonus material. They have great making of documentaries. And those are not available through BitBox. Those are only available through those uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. And not, oh, that's, that's true for a lot of physical media. So there's a lot of, a lot of movies, uh, special editions of movies, uh, releases that, uh, yeah, I can't see myself ever getting rid of because the, the material that's on there is, is amazing. Sometimes the story of how these are made is just as interesting as the stories of those, those things themselves. No, totally understand that. I had one time thought about starting a streaming channel of all the extras on different discs. I thought that would be kind of cool. But a lot of those now are up on YouTube also. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube, but you never know when that stuff, if it's because most of that stuff's not official, so it can be pulled down at any time. No, exactly. Uh, and I agree. so, yeah, you know, people can do it, and, and that's just taking you know, you're really just taking a risk whether or not, uh, you know, you get a cease and desist and that's it. It's and oh, sometimes we, we you know, know all get about that and, up here on the network. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even get cease and desist. Sometimes Amazon just says, or YouTube just says, no, we're not going to, we're not going to show that anymore. No, nope, exactly. Back, so sorry, sucker. But yeah. So, so as far as, but as far as movies goes, I will say though, that that's the one where I've probably done the most in terms of switched over to digital. Uh, music would be probably second um, because I do purchase a lot of stuff through iTunes or Amazon now and uh, digitally instead of, um, you know, buying the physical media and then ripping it. Um, there are cases where I don't, I mean, I, I support a lot of indie stuff. Um, so indie, indie. Yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, sometimes a band comes out with a CD of music and that's all they have. So you buy the CD when you see them and you help support the band. Same thing with, you know, sometimes it's the case of uh, a movie. Sometimes it's the case of uh, a lot of cases where the one that I do the least of is, is switching over to is, is books and, and comics. I can um, understand that. I, uh, I, I like having a book in my hand. That's I do too. darn awesome. Yeah, I love, I've, I've been going through and inventorying a lot of my comics over the last few weeks. And there's just nothing, I mean, I get such a, a rush going through my old comics when I had it as a kid. And the memories of, of having those comics and reading those stories. And it's just really special. And I can't, I can't imagine uh, getting rid of those anytime soon. No, but, exactly. Um, but I do understand it's a, it's a space hog. Um you know, they are, they, a lot of them end up being dust collectors. Um, well, so, and, do, so do the movies and so do the music a lot of times. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, maybe it's going to take a while to teach this old dog some digital tricks, but I, I'm, you know, I'm learning for the most part to, to go digital and I don't have a problem. Like, that's the other thing. People want to do their thing digitally streaming or whatever. I don't, I'm that I, I'm, I can understand that and I'm cool with that. It's not like I, I think any less of folks that are doing that, but uh, well, for exactly. me personally, it's just a matter of, uh, of, of making the switch is not as easy for me. 
Well, like when we went on a road trip up to Asheville a few weeks ago, and we went up there and we listened to music the whole way up and back, it was all on my phone. It was all stuff I had ripped and put through onto my phone and from CDs and such. So, you know, that's my problem with ripping uh, music and such and downloading everything. It's, I know, like, I like sharing my music and I like, you know, give, you know, if I want to make a mixed disc for my sister or, hey, have you heard this band? And lending it. Yes, we are the we are from the day and age of mixtapes. Exactly, we are, <laughs> and that's the cool thing about it. But you know, I like you know listening, giving you know having music to be able to do that with. And if I purchase something on Amazon or purchase on Apple, they don't have, you know, you can't share the music because it's copyright. You know, they have it locked down pretty much, and so. That's kind of, you know, I can't, a lot of it, I can't even share with Judy. And it's like, you know, cause she wants it on her phone or something, unless I authorize her phone onto my account or something like that. That's you, like, guys, you guys are married, you know, you can share. No, come on, please. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been married 15 years. I'm not going to start something new there with it. No, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's craziness. We actually downloaded all our CDs and we probably had close to a thousand CDs at one point and put it all onto um, hard drives and everything. And so and now it's all living on my phone or on the external hard drives. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Well, that's another scary thing too about it too. And is that um, when you're not in control, like when you, when you're uploading it to a cloud or some other digital medium, you have to make sure that, you know, that stuff is safe um, because uh, you know, in the blink of an eye, you can, lose ev- you can lose everything. And I have gone through hard drive failures many, many times before. And I have lost a lot of audio and video and photos and such. So that's another concern where I I sometimes find it hard to let go of physical media because I'm like, no, no, yeah, I'm yes, yeah, sure, I don't listen to it that way anymore, but I might lose it, and it's some of these things are like I said, things that you cannot get again. Mm-hmm. Of course, well, I know some people, even with their video game systems, they don't even have physical discs anymore. It's all downloaded onto their hard drives of their game systems. And so you don't even have discs or CDs that you put in anymore. So it's all going, all the physical media is just disappearing. Yeah. And I get it. You know, that's the way of the future and that's the way, you know, uh, but, it's going to be. I mean, I, I watch Star Trek. I mean, that's everything's digital in the, in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. But one big EMP and boom, it's all gone. <laughs> that's, that is the risk. Yes. Yeah. That is the absolute risk. So, um, I still have, you know, uh, I still use my Blu-ray player often. I still, I even get them for, I even get uh, discs from uh, Netflix still. Uh, I do the streaming as well. Do so you? I do a little bit wow. Of, yeah, I, uh, I have a, uh, my video, my VHS uh, uh, tape player is, is still hooked up to my TV so I can watch VHSs when I want to. I have a, of course, vinyl record player as well as a, um, uh, um, cassette player. Uh, you, you, so you I, don't. You don't have an eight track. Please tell me you don't. 
I do, but it's not functional right now. It's it's in storage. Uh, so I, I, I do have a, a track in storage and I have about, I don't know, a dozen, maybe less than a dozen of uh, eight tracks that are in storage. Cool, dude. Um, so yeah, I could dig those out. It would take me a little while. I could dig those out if need be. Um, but uh, yeah, so I still have a lot of that stuff. Um, a few years ago, quite uh, actually, yeah, maybe not as long as it did for most people, but my my Beta Max uh, VCR finally died, and that was a sad day. I, I was a beta guy. I was not a VHS guy. It took me a long time to to sort of convert over to VHS, but uh, I I preferred beta, so I still have a lot of beta tapes. Um, and it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I have certain movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I have that in all the formats. <laughs> I have I have a beta cassette of Raiders. I have a VHS cassette of Raiders. I have uh a dvd of raiders i have you know i don't have a laser disc of raiders so that's one thing i blue might have to get just to co- just to finish my collection although i couldn't watch it i never did own a laser disc player okay Oof. i remember having a laser disc player in college <laughs> those so, discs were like this big it was like the platter system but I have spent a lot of time purging. And like I said, I've gotten rid of a lot of that media, a lot of uh, digital software that I had, uh, a lot of uh, videotapes that I had. Man, the videotapes were just crazy. I couldn't believe I had that many still in storage. <laughs> so I finally got rid of those because um, I would tape like a fiend and I wouldn't tape over anything. So if I tape something, it was there. Did you um, just break the tab off so you couldn't record over it? No, I never bothered to do that because I, I always, uh, I found a lot of times if I needed a tape, then sometimes I had to tape over tabs <laughs> sometimes. So, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I had all that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I get it uh, from a space, you know, perspective. Sometimes that stuff I wish I didn't have all of. But it would be difficult for me to, like I said, I just can't let go of some things. So. Well, I understand that. We'd love As to hear anybody from... who can see my room uh, currently can, uh, can. I can vouch for that man, even with the sunglasses on. <laughs> Crazy. Exactly. We would definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Tell us what you guys are. Are you guys all digital now? Do you go st- still have hard media? Please tell us. Write us at earthstation one at esonetwork.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. Let's take a break and maybe we'll get a clue. See you in a second. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. You know how Disney kind of like puts films on an assembly line, but you know that when you're getting something from Pixar because it takes so long to craft, that there's a lot of care put into it. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week. Your favorite podcast app. And right here on the ESO Network. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. 
Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! What? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? Oh, if I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Sit half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's well, a matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. Welcome back. Now it is time to go back to the year 1985, where we talk all about Clue, a movie that had just not one ending, but three different endings. And you had to know which movie theater you had to go to. Take it away, Mikey. Well, yeah, we've got some uh, great guests to join us. Uh, of course, uh, we've got our movie folks here. Ashley Pauls is back with us. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Uh, always, always, especially when we're talking movies. And my understanding was this was your pick for us to review without the with the lack of new releases, correct? Yes. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. I think tonight was the night we were supposed to be recording our annual summer movie preview. Of course, there really aren't any summer movies. So I thought it would be fun to pick something a little bit lighthearted. I've kind of had whodunits on the mind since watching uh, Knives Out. So I was curious to go back in time a little bit, check this one out again and see how uh, Knives Out may or may not have been inspired or influenced by this one. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to have to talk about that, as well as other whodunits uh, that were inspirational for this movie, too. Um, and we also have Alex, Alex Autry with us. Glad to be here. Obviously, New Mutants going to be the biggest bomb of the summer. <laughs> Again? <laughs> it's my pick until they release it. <laughs> That's been coming out for three years now. I think that has been our summer big pick the last three years. That has been, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, I love the movie Clue. I think this is fantastic. I love that Ashley picked this out. By the way, Ashley, very lovely earring. Oh, thank um, you. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a good time. This is a, a movie uh, that kind of did a lot of risky things at a time when a lot of movies just weren't doing risk. And, uh, well, wrong board game, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. And you might've heard already. We also have Darren Noel back with us. Darren. Hi everybody. How are you tonight? Absolutely. We're great. Uh, glad to, that everybody could gather together. Uh, you know, uh, I guess I will serve the, uh, the role as, of, of Wadsworth here. Um, and, uh, and welcome you all, uh, to talk about this movie. Now, first of all, um, we can't talk about the movie without first talking about the game that's based on, uh, I already revealed earlier in the episode that, uh, I never played this. I never had a clue, so to speak. Um, what? Yeah, I yeah. know. And, I was just as shocked, folks. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for me, because I was into whodunits and mysteries and detective stories my entire life. Um, I've always been interested in that stuff and uh, never 
never played the game. Uh, so very strange, I know, but that's probably not true for most of you guys. Darren, that's probably not true for you at all. I have eight editions of Clue sitting within <laughs> grabbing reach right now, sir. <laughs> now, I was surprised to learn that this this game um, has quite a history. I mean, it is it is uh what 70 some years old it's like it came out in 1943 uh, well they they kind of the couple that made it were was in england and they came up with the idea because that was a big thing in britain where they would go to hotels and they would visit these places and they would have a murder mystery as an activity in the evening and you couldn't do that during the war there were more you know, important priorities during World War II than going to a country manor and participating in a game like this. So they made up a game that you could play in the house, and they got it trademarked, and they sold it to Waddington's, which was a game manufacturer in England. And I think that's where Wadsworth comes from in the movie. Oh, very good. Um, and then they started manufacturing it in 1949 when they were able to get the supplies for it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so it was devised in '43. Came out in '49, um, updated several times. Has mm-hmm. been, uh, I think it was originally called Cluedo, right? It's still called Cluedo in Europe. Oh, interesting. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, so and and so you, you were a big fan of it right from the beginning, right from as, as a kid. Oh, as a kid, yeah, it was one of my favorite board games. Hated Monopoly. Can't stand Monopoly, but I will play Clue all night long. <laughs> you mean Monotony? <laughs> oh my God, Monopoly! Oh, yeah. So. Everyone's like, that's the number one game in America. I'm like, in any household that, you know, is about to have a murder. So go, just go ahead and play Clue anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Solve the problem. Uh, Ashley, what about you? Did you uh, grow up playing Clue as well? Yes, I did. One of my favorite board games uh, growing up. I don't know that I won that often. I wasn't good about figuring out who did it, but it's always a good time. And of course, maddening when you think you know who it is, but you somehow have to get all the way across the board to the other rooms before one of your uh, other people playing. But yeah, it's it's cool to see how long this game has lasted and all just the different versions of it. Um, one of my favorite Christmas presents this past year from a friend was the Downton Abbey version of Clue. Which is great wow. fun. So yes. highly recommend that for Clue and Downton Abbey fans. But it's, it, it had it's to be Mr. Bates. It always has to be Mr. Yes. Bates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I had no idea there was a uh, uh, that version. Wow. <laughs> I would, I, so, yeah. There's a Golden Girls version too, amongst many <laughs> other versions, which yeah. I own a copy of. There you go. Is it the who stole the cheesecake or something? Is that I, the I, mystery? I, I, all I know is that it's it's not who done it, but there's a rumor. Oh, a rumor. Yes, um, mm. we uh, actually friend of the station, Lacey Adderhall, gave me a, uh, gave my wife a copy uh, <laughs> of of Golden Girls Clue for for Christmas this year. Aw, so, well, not this year, last anyway. And and Alex, did you grow up uh, playing the game as well? So I have an older sister who cheats, <laughs> and um, yeah, no, we we played it and we played it often. And uh, she would do things like specifically not tell me that she had a particular character in her hand. Um, so I would get it arranged, and I knew it was this person with this weapon and this thing. Uh, and I would say, I know who did it, and I would say it. And she goes, No, you lose. And I win the game. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, but my sister's five years older than me, and she cheated at every game we ever played. So 
Um, but your uh, sister and my bitter. sister might be related then. I'm I'm not bitter, not at all. <laughs> I've still grown up to be a a fully functional adult. Um, no, it's you know, growing up, there were times when it was just you know you couldn't go outside to play uh, when it rained, and we didn't have the Atari Twenty Six Hundred until like nineteen eighty. So, um, yeah, yeah, we did a lot of board games and, uh, Monopoly will not only end friendships, but family members won't talk to you. And yes, there will be a murder. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, uh, we played Clue a lot, uh, growing up and I don't think I've had a, I don't think we've had a copy of it in, in years. So getting one for Christmas was kind of a neat thrill. Mike, what about you? Oh, like Alex mentioned, my sister used to cheat at it. So... You know, she won't ever admit to it, but yes, we had Clue growing up and she always was able to peek or something, but she always won and cheated her butt off on it. So yes, um, right now I think we have like four different versions of Clue. I think even the Simpsons Clue and, you know, so it's pretty awesome and, you know, we just recently played it not that long ago with some friends and they brought over, it's called, you know, turbo clue or something like that. It's a new version of it that, you know, gives you more rooms and more secret passages and more, and more weapons, which is pretty awesome. Hmm. Now I couldn't help but notice, but uh, none of you in talking about your history with the game said that you couldn't wait till uh, a major motion picture had been made of it. So um, I'm not sure exactly like where the I- idea came from to, to do this, but um, I, I want to talk about your experience seeing the movie for the first time. But as always, we have to point to Alex to talk about the box office as far as how this movie did. Um, I don't think this was, was a real winner at the, at the box office. Was it? This movie bombed. <laughs> I'm that sorry. is all that you need to know about this film. Um, the the fascination behind the idea of there being multiple endings, the A, B, or C ending, as they were called, um, was really unique. Uh, oh, spoilers for a movie that came out in 1985. Um, you, you, you had your three different murders, uh, or murderers, I should say, uh, that occur. And on the marquee, it would the theater would actually say Clue A or Clue B. The theater near me had Clue A. Uh, and so we actually walked up uh, to see the movie. And I don't know. I mean, I laughed. I, I appreciated it back then, but not as much as I do now. And that's the great thing about this film is that it was built in such a way that it it literally was made probably 20 years before it should have been. Um, but uh, yeah, the movie uh, opened up a domestic opening of two million dollars, <laughs> which for 1985 is bad. Still bad. Um, it's still bad. <laughs> it's but, very you know, bad. <laughs> no, no. Not to be fair. Earlier this year, one of the movies was number one at the box office with three hundred thousand um, so, <laughs> dollars. So theaters were closed. Um, the overall domestic take this movie took in was fourteen million six hundred forty-three thousand dollars. Uh, forty-three thousand nine hundred ninety-seven dollars. The worldwide gross for this film was the domestic take. This movie never released overseas. Really? Yeah. And 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 the uh, the budget was fifteen million, so it didn't quite yeah. make it. 
didn't quite make it. No. So, so yeah, if any of the uh, stars, uh, you know, on this were we're getting we're we're doing this for points. Well, they they got none. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so, what was your experience? Did you see the movie in the theater, Darren? Did you was you were you hooked right away? Is this something uh, that you look forward to? Well, yeah. Um, I saw ending B, which is the Miss Scarlet ending um in the theater in 85 i think i went to go see it about three or four times in the theater because i was like that at a theater in walking distance and they had three movies so it was a horror movie a comedy or a rated r flick that you couldn't see at the age of 14 15 which is the age i was when this movie came out so uh clue was the option because there wasn't like a star trek movie or something out so went and saw it with a bunch of my friends. I found it funny and I did try to go see the other two, but um, I think one was showing in Cobb. It didn't really get a very wide release. Um, I think A was over by Perimeter and C was in Cobb and B was out in DeKalb where I was. It seemed like you had to travel a long way to get to a different ending. And then it was there and it was gone. I think it lasted maybe two weeks at the actual theaters. Um, And it it was over at that point. But then... HBO picked it up in the nineties and they started showing it because it was a cheap film for them to film, fill two hours of, and then it wound up on regular cable network TV. And I think that's when everyone kind of keyed into it as, Hey, this is actually kind of a funny movie. And it is. So. (laughs) Uh, Ashley, was this the first time you had seen Clue? I had actually seen it once before. I was uh, stuck at home sick and looking for something entertaining to watch on Netflix. So there was Clue. I didn't remember a lot about it because I'm pretty sure I was running a fever and not feeling well. But I was entertained at the time. So I was looking forward to watching it again when I was a little bit more aware of what's going on. And it's really interesting to me to hear that it was a flop when it came out, because I feel like it's one of those movies. If you mention it, people are like, Oh, I love clue. That's so fun. So I think it really has gained uh, a following over time. And it's, it's interesting to me how they were able to make a movie based on a board game, which seems like it should be a terrible premise and something that you shouldn't do, but I think they were able to find a clever way to do it and kind of go about the concept with a wink and a nod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, what about you? Did you see this in the theater? Oh, I sure did. (laughs) Do you remember what ending you saw? Um, I saw in the theater, I saw A and C. Oh, you saw it twice? Yes. The only one I didn't see was the Mrs. Peacock one. So I got to, I, yeah, I wanted to see all the different endings, but none of the theaters in our area was showing um, B. And so we. That's because Alex's theater was showing. I know. That's true. <laughs> there was and, only one copy of B, I think. <laughs> and it, like Alex said, it was gone way too soon to be able to try to go see it otherwise. And I, I loved it. I loved it right from the very first time I saw it. And the cast was you know, just blew me away. It was like, it was just awesome. Yeah. I didn't see it in the uh, theater. So, um, I missed out on that experience. Um, I remember seeing it in cable afterwards. Um, and, uh, not with commercials or anything. It was, uh, it was uh, a movie channel. And, uh, and by that time they had released all three endings, uh, on, on that. So you didn't have to watch it. Like, you know, uh, you catch it at some point on, on cable and see one ending or the other. So, um, so I think it's, 
they they integrated all three endings on it uh, quite uh, quite originally, I think, um, in an original fashion, I should say. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. I I to be honest, I don't Perfect. remember much about my uh, initial yeah. experience watching it. I think I just watched it, went eh, <laughs> and then moved on. So. Uh, um, as I said, I'm, I'm very much interested in whodunits and, and, and mystery, you know, detective stories and everything like that. I don't know why this one has never clicked with me. I do. Uh, I did watch it. Please I, I watched it this weekend and I enjoyed the heck out of it. So um, I, I don't know what was going on with me at that time in the eighties, but now I appreciate it. I appreciate the, the, the references. I appreciate I think Mike, you mentioned it. I appreciate the cast. The cast is amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine a better cast. I know that there was some, uh, looking at the, the production notes of it, I noticed there were some other people initially uh, in mind to, to play different parts, but uh, man, it just seems so perfect. But then again, I never played the game, so I don't know what i don't have anybody to to compare them to so i never was familiar with colonel mustard or mrs white Mrs. peacock professor plum etc so i didn't know if these were actual great representations of those characters um darren did it would would, would you say that they were or were the, the the movie just take a lot of liberties um they they take a lot of liberties to flesh them out i i think clue has done a good job at trying to evolve the characters. There are classic personas where Miss Scarlet is a femme fatale character. Colonel Mustard's the old military guy. Mrs. White is a maid who's long suffering. Typically Mrs. Peacock is a socialite, sometimes a black widow. Uh, Professor Plum is this geeky, awkward academic. And Mr. Green is a mobster in America typically, but he is a reverend in Europe. <laughs> There's an interesting cross for you. Um. <laughs> I think what they did to change things up made sense. Um, I, I know that they had to have that maid character in there for the sake of the plot when they introduced a vet and then Wadsworth and of course the cook, because they had to kill some people off. Right. And the only person in the uh, game is Mr. Body or Dr. Black in Cluedo. So they had, they had to have that guy in there to get rid of him ironically uh, played by another pun, leaving. Um, so that was kind of appropriate. And I think they did a decent job with that. Um, it's a shame that they didn't get Carrie Fisher as Miss Scarlet because she entered rehab. Mm, and the, yeah, and but Leslie Ann Warren was, was great as Miss Scarlet. No, no fault of hers at all. It was a, it was a wonderful replacement. Well, she was awesome. Mm-hmm. And Tim Curry was like the fourth choice for Wadsworth, which is just insane in my head. They they considered a lot of British actors, but they didn't have a following over here, most notably Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean as Wadsworth. Can you imagine? And John Cleese as Wadsworth. No way. Yes, That's way. Awesome. And in the yeah, in the actual paperback, if you can find, you can go on Amazon and sometimes find it. Usually it's out of print and unavailable. If it is available, it's like two hundred three hundred dollars don't spend your money but there's a fourth ending that did not get filmed and in the fourth ending wadsworth kills everybody and leaves the mansion yeah i i had heard he tells that, them was... that the champagne was poisoned have a nice night and leaves yeah i was i heard that uh in the filming there they actually i think 
did shoot the fourth ending, but they may they, have. They, they they said it didn't work, so they they ditched it. So. They cut it, probably yeah. in like audience testing. Yeah, as my, yeah. The 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 big thing. No, go ahead. I was just gonna I was gonna make a, a crack about you know if you read the extended universe yeah. series and all the characters <laughs> make more sense, but that's none of that's canon now. It's all legend. So. Um, so, uh, so Darren, uh, while we're still with you on, on, on the cast, uh, who stands out for you then? Uh, well, they're all great. I I think Madeline Kahn gets the only improv scene with that flames speech. And that's definitely (laughs) a call out. It's the one most quotable line of everything that goes on in the whole movie. I think the men kind of get a little short shrift in the movie because the women's roles are just so flamboyant in comparison. Um, Professor Plum does a lot of quiet, lechery stuff in the background. And, of course, this was the beginning of Christopher Lloyd's career. This is before Back to the Future came out. He was on Taxi, but this was his leap into movies. So he didn't do a lot. Michael McKeon had come from Laverne and Shirley, of all places. So he was practically unrecognizable as this new character because his hair wasn't greased back. He didn't affect an accent. All that jazz. Because this is pre-Spinal Tap for him. Totally. Or it's not, was it? It's not. not it's after tap. Spinal Tap. 84. Was Spinal it? Tap was 84. Yep. We're old, Mike. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the person I have to give the shout out to is Eileen Brennan as Mrs. Peacock. Because she's doing so much of what they call the business in all the scenes. It's a, She doesn't have a line. But she's, oh, Oh, she's making all these sound effects that go on throughout the entire movie. It's not overdone, but it's just the background noise uh, when the other characters are talking. You hear it go, oh, you know, it's it's that kind of stuff that really punctuates a scene. That's really nice to hear. Brings the comedy into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ashley. What about uh, what about you as far as characters that stood out for you? Yeah, I was going to pick uh, Mrs. Peacock as well. I don't know that she stood out to me the first time that I was watching the movie, but just like you said, Darren, she adds a lot of like little funny flavor and color to the film. Mm-hmm. And um, just the scene where like she thinks she's drink consumed the poison alcohol and is just going completely over the top about it. And um, <laughs> just super funny, great performance. And Tim Curry as... Wadsworth just a lot of his jokes and puns are fantastic this Mm -hmm. is one that I think you would have to watch several times to get um all the jokes and all the subtle funny things but yeah I think they all play really well off of each other and there's so much going on that I think I actually appreciated it more the second time I watched it as well just because there was stuff I missed the first time because there's so many layers of jokes and stuff going on yeah it's like a joke every two minutes Oh yeah, uh, you can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. It's like airplane in that regard. It yeah, really is. yeah, absolutely. Um, not as visually, you know, not the visual jokes as much as like the airplane movies, but mm-hmm. it's more that. Um, well, they call them dad jokes now, right? Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them Very are. Much a lot so. of them are. <laughs> Alex, what about you? Uh, standout performers. So here's the thing about this film. I mean, obviously everybody's brilliant in it. Uh, there, there's great moments, subtle moments. Uh, there's a moment we, we established that uh, Professor Plum is very, very uh, uh, lecherous. And there's a moment in which uh, uh, Mr. Green played brilliantly. 
Michael McKeon. Uh, um, Michael McKeon, thank you. Could not think of his first name. Um, stands up, takes off his glasses, and said, I'm willing to say, you know, I'm gay. And he sits back down and he looks at Professor Plum, who immediately <laughs> stands up because he's just so uncomfortable with the idea. Um, little things like that, that physical, understated uh, humor that goes all throughout. I think Michael McKeon may be my favorite character in the film uh, because of his frantic, I didn't do it uh, uh, moniker, which goes throughout the film and, of course, pays off really well with ending C. Um one of the things that's great about this film, and I didn't know it until I was in college, because I had never seen a Noel Oh, wow, Coward really? Play. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was in college that I got to see one. And the mm-hmm. dialogue banter throughout this entire film is nothing but a Noel Coward play. Uh, the, the, the repartee, the speediness of the, the dialogue and the bounce back uh, between everybody definitely uh, uh, comes from that, uh, which I which I think really makes that movie even funnier. Uh, despite the fact that I, you know, has anybody noticed that like the movie we we we'd always talk about this film being a frantic paced film. It doesn't hit a frantic That's pace true. until That's the true. third act. Mm-hmm. It is just a slow burn movie. With a lot of funny until, stuff happening. Until, uh, you know, Wadsworth decides that he knows everything and then they go running throughout the house. That's when it gets really insane. Mm-hmm. But before that, it's 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 all suspense. It's all suspense. Yeah. Um, and, and I definitely agree with you about, um, uh, you know, with Michael McKeon, he was one that really took me a while to appreciate as a performer. Uh, I grew up loving Laverne and Shirley and he's so over the top as Lenny in that in that show that you know later on he would do these movies especially you know the Christopher Guest movies later on that he's so understated like he's so good at at being understated and in this movie it's almost like to me for me the start of that like I can see that like the, the 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 scene that made me crack up I think was uh little things like the one that made me crack up was when uh the maid says that she's uh you know when they're they're divvying out like who's gonna go where and she's like you know uh, will mm-hmm. anyone go with me and, and professor Plum <laughs> says i will and mustard says i will and right away mr green says no thank you no like, thank you it really is <laughs> no thank you it's just like it's in the it's, it's so just bad. like it's so bam funny. and it's such it's not a big moment he doesn't like mm-hmm. try to steal right he doesn't it's not try a flourish. you know for for a, for a gay character, he's really understated. You know? Well, he's a closeted gay character, <laughs> well, right? That's true. It's 1950s. Yes. yes. So there, yeah. no one's out of the closet. And that was the big thing that they were blackmailing with. But the last time I watched this, which I watched it this weekend just to get ready for this, did you know that you can figure out that Mr. Green's not Mr. Green? <laughs> Everyone walks into that house and they have some kind of icon of their color on them. Plum's got a plum vest. Mustard's got a mustard tie on. Peacock's got the feathers and a peacock brooch on her overcoat. Scarlet doesn't have any red on her, but she's got the red hair. And White has that opening lining of oh, her yeah. coat and the pearls, looking pale and tragic. Okay. And Green has no green at all on his outfit. That is a blue suit. That is a <clears throat> white shirt. That is a red and blue tie. It's like, oh, hmm, interesting. Now, the, the cars well, outside are color-coded to their characters, as they would be. 
but they right. didn't do anything obvious like putting them all in like Miss Scarlet wearing a completely red outfit, which I'm kind of at first as a clue fan, I was like, why didn't you do that? But then I understand it, it wouldn't have fit. It just wasn't appropriate to do that across the board for everybody with their characters. And I think at only one of the endings, it's yeah, revealed the... that he's not even really gay. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hope seat. to sleep with sleep my wife. Sleep with my wife. <laughs> sleep with my wife. Yeah. Another uh, lot of, you know, for a movie that bombed, man, there's a lot of times where I was watching this and I'm like, oh, yeah, that line, that line. Like, there's a lot of lines in here that are that have taken a life of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Uh, Mike, what about you? Characters? All of them. You know... <laughs> You know, I'm going to say, you know, Tim Curry stole the show for me. He was just flat out amazing. And watching it, it was like, God, he was so young back then. Uh-huh. But weren't we all, you know? Because <laughs> it was just awesome. Um, I love Martin Mole in this role as Colonel Mustard. And then Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum was just great. Uh, and, you know, Michael McKean, you know, he, like, you guys were saying he had done Spinal Tap at this point, and he also had done this one movie called Young Doctors in Love. I remember that. And then, of, yes. Great and movie. he was awesome in it, and because that was the first time I had ever seen him in anything other than being Lenny. And so it was, it was pretty awesome to see. And, you know, today he's still, he's still going, and mm-hmm. he was just, he's, he was uh, Saul's brother in Better Call Saul. And so it's yeah. pretty and great performance in that. Yeah. Oh, he, um, anything he does, but, and then the women in this were just awesome. Colleen camp uh, and her two co-stars and her two uh, co-stars. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and Leslie and Warren and, you know, you just, it was just great. Eileen Brennan and, you know, that you just had great and great and great and great. It was just, the whole cast was just awesome. Yes, Colin Camp made me sorry I didn't see this on the big screen. Um, <laughs> the uh, I will also say, <laughs> or in three days, I will three D. Uh, oh my god! Uh, but also to your point, you know, as far as Martin Mull, Martin Mull is a king of understated performances. I mean, the guy is is just amazing, but he doesn't steal the the show. He always is in in the kind of plays the straight guy, but he's hilarious in that role, and I think. Darren, to your point, I think that's one of the reasons why the women seem to stand out more because mm-hmm. you've got Martin Mull and uh, Michael McKeon playing like these really quiet, understated performances. Christopher Lloyd, compared to what he can do, is really understated in this. Oh, yeah. And so it leaves really um, a platform for all the women to shine. Well, well going back when what Alex was saying, when Jonathan Lynn got the cast to, together um, in rehearsals, the first thing he did, they made them watch The Thin Man. Those oh, yeah. movies where that delivery is just yep yep and um eileen brennan famously remarked that well they had no time for the method in this movie you know referring <laughs> to how they were going to do their characters so I, I think they did a lot poor tim curry had a lot of heavy lifting to do because he was he was just the exposition man throughout the whole movie and they're all goofing off around him poor leslie ann warren could not really sit well in that dress I don't think anybody could. Well, I, she actually had to rest up against a, a reclining board. 
literally during yeah. during the filming. I think they made two dresses, one for her sitting scenes, which was open in the back, and one where she was actually sewn into it. <laughs> so not a practical uh, an outfit, but you can get uh, picked up with a flat tire in it. We, we've discovered that. So very important. <laughs> yes, important always important. Um, I I agree with you. the 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 entire cast is amazing. Certainly, watching it this time, especially to see some of them early on in, in their careers, so to speak. But you can just tell who the masters are. I can only imagine that uh, you know because it's fun to watch any of these folks. Like whoever's talking is great, but if you look at whoever's doing, you know, behind back like in the background, mm-hmm. they're great as well. And for me. Man, it's difficult to pull my eyes away from Madeline Kahn. She oh, yeah. is just, uh, she's just amazing. Uh, and then she does, yeah, she has a couple of moments where she just steals the movie practically. Um, she's so quiet throughout most of it and just in the background. But then she's got these two scenes, I think, that she really shines in. Um, and I also have to point out, it's really cool to see like the two cameos. We get uh, Howard Hessman, uncredited Howard Hessman, uh, you know, yep. despite the fact that uh, he was a, a pretty big name at that time. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, the movie has a go-go. Like, it features a yeah. go-go in the movie. Damn it. Like, Jane Whelan's in this movie. I yeah. was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> well, she, she's there and she's gone, but still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that. It's, it's easily the, it's the funniest death in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it is the funniest yeah, death you're in the entire movie. You're singing telegram. Bang! Bang! <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the best part of, I, I love it when they're like but you know we heard a gunshot and they go and they open up the door and they see her there it's like well let's just bring her inside they bring her inside and then they just, just let go of the body in the study <laughs> and just, i like to keep the at this point they're tidy. over it <laughs> yeah i love how like by that time they're just like whenever they see a body they're just like they're just defeated at that point really <laughs> they go from being horrified initially in the span of an hour to being like just sort of like oh yeah there's another one whoever it is they'll have to go away or they'll be killed uh i love the structure of this movie it could be a play uh, it is a play, yeah. Oh, it is it a play? yeah i've seen okay the- yeah because yeah. i was gonna say it, it could easily be a play um, it feels uh, much like that, and the characters are there. Um, a- as far as a, a whodunit goes, um, I don't know that it really like holds up to that um, as a great one because it just like it's more interested in in the satire and the humorous aspects of it than actually the the. I mean, it's got three endings, and there was a fourth that was filmed. So it's like it. It could be really. It's not like you're going to watch it again and go, "Oh, I can see that." Right. Um. So it's it's really open as far as that goes, but um, I don't know, Darren. As far as who done it's go, mm-hmm. does it still work for you? Well, the, there are some things that they did early on in the plot that you can see like who was missing in the billiard room scene when Yvette was screaming that's kind of the big thing that they did it's like oh crap there was someone missing from that scene who was it but I do think it falls apart once Curry starts explaining the three different endings um, because one involves a character who's not one of the main characters pretty heavily and then you you get rid of that part of it altogether and then oh no this person did them all and then it's um not just one person it's pretty much everybody so i I think it does tend to fall apart there but i think they tried to go for it if you're looking for a tight thriller whodunit this is not your movie Uh, this is a parody movie of uh the murder mystery genre 
and it does it well. That's what yeah, it does. Absolutely. I if, will, if you want to yeah. see a tight who done it or something, go watch. And then there were none. <laughs> right. Um, oh man, this movie is like, yeah, definitely inspired by and that uh, Agatha Christie and and in particular. And then there were none. Well, that's where they got the I, idea for all the different weapons, which I am not going to call <laughs> by its original name. Um, no, please don't. <laughs> please do not. Uh, either one of the original names um so uh but um what ending did you like the best um i like it when uh, i i like them all together okay the the ending c or do you like all three you mean i like all three of them because it it just injects another layer of humor hey how about this it's the whole thing about whenever you play clue odds are it's not going to be the same solution every time you play clue so it kind of feeds into that part of the game actually so i kind of like that when they're Making when you're making a movie about a game, it's difficult. <laughs> so anytime they can put a game mechanic as part of the movie, I think that's pretty ingenious. Plus, that's a uh, a play on that too, where uh, a lot of the whodunits, uh, whether it's Thin Man or the uh, Hercule Poirot stories, are he gets everybody in the room together mm-hmm. and he explains how <laughs> he reveals how each one of the characters could have done. Um, and then ultimately reveals like who actually did it. So um, it kind of plays into that sort of aspect of the whodunit as well. So well, that's the entire third act is the reveal. Absolutely. So you know, Ashley, what about you? Did how was the? Uh, do you have a particular ending that you like? Um, I actually enjoy all three as well. It's funny how they string them together, saying like it could have been this or it could have been this. And I just love the concept that they released it in theaters, but just show different endings to different audiences. Like, I think that's such a novel concept and I love that they did it, but for home release, I like that you can see all three together. And I kind of agree with everyone else's thoughts. It's not the most airtight plot, but like everyone else has said, that's not the point. It's a comedy. It's funny. It's entertaining. They do a good job of keeping up the suspense throughout the first half but by the end, you're having so much fun, and it doesn't really matter in the end who had done it. It could have been any of them. They could have done an alternate ending probably with each one of the characters having been the perpetrator. So it it succeeds as its goal, which is just to be a fun time and to kind of send up some of those whodunit tropes um, that have come to be well-known and well-used in Hollywood. I, I almost wish they they had done uh, you know multiple endings so that we could have seen how every one of them. Oh, uh, absolutely! Could have done it. Yeah, one for each character would have been really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Alex, do you have a favorite? Um, so here's the thing: I, I I'm of two minds on this. Uh, one, obviously, all three endings together is the best way to do it, and probably should have been the way it was done in the theaters. Uh, the other option would have been to just mess with everybody and don't tell anybody that there's three endings. <laughs> True. Don't say anything, send it out to all the different theaters and then have people talking about it with each other and going, oh, and then the ending where it's Miss Scarlet and somebody's going, no, it was Miss Peacock. <laughs> and then somebody else go, no, 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 they all did it, but, but Wadsworth and, and, and it turns out that Mr. Green's not gay and it, and did you see everybody lose their minds? What are you talking about? I, this is this is uh, this is why I'm 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 chaotic neutral. Um, <laughs> so I, I this would that would have been that would have been the way that I would have liked to have done it. Other either that or release all the endings together um, because it does keep the game mechanic uh, that was talked about. The fact that the only switch from all of the movies 
doesn't occur until the light switch is turned back on. Uh, um, or the big power switch is, is turned on. That's mm-hmm. the moment where the cut is uh, for the film. And I think that's, that's really unique and, and, and quite, uh, and quite something. So, um, but for me, I, it's, it's all of them together. I just, I mean, as much as, as much fun as I like the Mrs. Peacock ending, I, yeah, it, it's all of them together. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Peacock was a man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that and them going through how many bullets were used. Oh, I love that with 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 him and Miss Scarlet. Two plus one plus awesome. one plus one. Go through. Even if you were right, that'd be one plus two plus one plus one, not one plus two plus one plus one. <laughs> and the look of satisfaction on her face when the bullet goes mm-hmm. off. Yeah, <laughs> that was just awesome. Mike, do you have a favorite ending? I like all three of them. You know, I I think my favorite probably is you know the Wadsworth, you know claiming to be Mr. Body and then Mr. Green turning out to be the FBI agent. (laughs) That call from J. Edgar Hoover, that was for me. (laughs) (laughs) I did not get the joke about why is J. Edgar Hoover on your phone? Well, he's on everybody else's phone. Why would he be on mine? (laughs) Not get that until like, like maybe 10 years later. It's and a little more appropriate why, today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why U.S. history is an important subject to to do well in. It's 1985. I was in the eighth grade. So <laughs> seventh grade. Got him young. Anyway. Oh God, I was already in college. <laughs> Communism was just red, red herring. herring. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In three, in three different ways. That was <laughs> yeah. awesome. Three different that, ways. That was, I think, the one joke that made yeah. all three endings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just, uh, it was great. And it, there was, it's just so, it's, I'm glad it's so appreciated now. Cause like even the slapstick in it, when the lights went, or when they heard uh, the screaming and they all were running down the stairs and Mr. Green and Wadsworth ran into each other and they went flying and then the women went flying too. It was, mm-hmm. it was just awesome. The, uh, the, you know, well, I'll call it, I think the, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'll play, I'll play favorites. I like the, the, I think they ended on the, the video release or whatever. I think they ended it the right way, like using ending C. Like, I don't know if that was the original plan, but uh, it seems like that one has the most satisfying ending. Um, and at, at least before the credits roll, it seems like that ending just leads to boom, the movie's over, um, I think. And, and the fact that all of them, did it um it's kind of like uh you know in in some way you don't sort of see that in a lot of like the whodunits always concerned with who did it like who is the one who is the one and and you know that's where like murder on the Orient express is really innovative because it's everybody you know like Mm -hmm. i I sort of like the fact (laughs) 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 yeah yeah spoilers for that movie um and book and and play and all that sort of thing yes sir um but um uh yeah so i kind of i kind of like that um as far as the beginning i have to say that uh man talk about something that's not really plot related but just was i had me rolling when i was watching this and i had totally forgot about it was uh the whole thing about him like stepping in and and just having that on his shoe (laughs) like i like in the beginning of the movie and and each character was coming in and smelling it i was dying i just thought that was the funniest thing and that's one of those things that I don't even know if that was in the script. It probably could have been something that was just there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, even Yvette was like, 
looking when she was in the. <laughs> yeah, she checked her <laughs> shoes at one point. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Everybody was checking their shoes. Everybody was checking like the- <laughs> I think Mrs. White was the last one to do it, and then the smell faded. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It does go away eventually, I guess. <laughs> um, as far as you know, representation of the game, is there anything particularly in the movie that either really works for you because of the game, uh, or that that maybe is missing from the game? Uh, uh, Darren, as far as it being an adaptation of the game, is there anything that you're like, well, that's in the game, but I don't know how they they they, they should have had this in the movie, or the reverse, where it's like this is the best thing because it's perfectly representative of the game. Well, I the set was actually a constructed set; it was not inside that house. That house is actually a, like a matte painting. Aww. So, yeah, the the set was actually used for Dynasty after the, this film uh, <laughs> stopped being um, filmed. I hated they had to the make their that, money some way. Yeah. <laughs> I hated the fact that the ballroom was actually an exterior set that was not part of the set that they built. It was actually another location. That's why you don't see the ballroom except for one time in the entire film. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a separate set altogether. Um, I, I, I felt like everyone when they play clue they're like where are the bathrooms where did they sleep in this big mansion because you don't have a bedroom on the first floor and all that stuff i like the fact that they expanded it and uh one day if they ever make like 3d clue and you have to build like you know here's the cellar in the boiler room and then you go up to the building you know through the bedrooms and everything that'd be kind of fun to play um as a vice versa they got the the secret passages in there that was wonderful they managed to work those in um, but yeah, I think I think it works fine with re- with related to the um, the board game. They even g- snuck in the envelope where you would put in your cards, but they burned it in the uh, studies fireplace. Mm. So they did they did a lot of here's something from the game that we're going to put right here. So they did there, a good job with that. This I don't know. This seems to go without saying, but I'm not sure. Did they they must have come out with a movie version of the board game? They did not. What? The the movie version of the board game is the board game. Yeah. So there's no like board game with uh, these like actors in those. No, wow, no. that's amazing. That was not no, that was not, not the sort of thing. That was not the sort of marketing tool that you would have thought of back then. And after it bombed, there was no reason to have marketing for it. <laughs> I uh, had to hunt down a CD of the soundtrack. It cost me quite a quite a lot. Wow. The soundtrack is very difficult to find because they didn't print that many. Wow. That is, uh, that's, that's shocking. I, and it's also surprising to me that you said that there's not, that they should come out with a 3D version. It surprises me that they haven't, like in some sort of video game form, they don't have a 3D version of this. Well, the video game versions tend to duplicate the board versions that they actually bring out. So they've, they've done Clue Master Detective. And over in Europe, it's called Super Cluedo. They've got four more suspects. That's Madame Rose, Miss Peach, Sergeant Grey, and Monsieur Brunette. So you have those characters added into the mix. And they've done more. Ever since Hasbro took it over, they've tried to diversify it. They've tried to young up the characters a little bit, move it away from that stuffy British murder mansion trope um, and put it into America where Colonel Mustard is a, is a football jock and Professor Plum designs video games and things like that. It's had, you know, surprisingly marginal success. They did sort of kind of kill off Mrs. White recently and replaced her with Dr. Orchid in the base game. Um, who's supposed to be this um, 
She's a, uh, a toxicology specialist. <laughs> so you wonder how she fits in with the clue <laughs> pantheon very well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's supposedly the adopted daughter of Mrs. White. So there's kind of a continuity there. So, but they, they haven't done anything really like spectacular. It's all been gimmicky in my opinion. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, man, it seems like it would be, I mean, I would love just a video, a virtual house that you could solve a mystery in like that. That would be mm-hmm. pretty amazing. I mean, they did some VHS stuff and some very rudimentary computer type games with films inserted. And in Britain and in other countries, they actually had a live action version of Cluedo, which you can go out on YouTube and find, in which it's kind of dull. But the movie, the mystery that they film is kind of interesting. And it stars some pretty spectacular British folks that you may know from other things. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. I mean, Stephanie Beecham is Mrs. Peacock. Come on. <laughs> um, the uh, Ashley, what about you? Any sort of things from the game that uh, were particular good call outs or not for you? Yeah, um, I enjoyed how they brought in the little pieces of the game. I think it could have very easily come across as too cheesy and on the nose, some of these references, but I think they do it with just enough tongue in cheek that it works. Like, I love the idea that the names are aliases, so you don't have to kind of explain kind of some of the awkward naming. I think it's super fun that everyone has an alias. No one knows who they really are. And I love how all the weapons show up as they're, they're gifted them in these um, mysterious boxes, black boxes tied with ribbon. And I think that's super fun. Um, I love that they work the secret passages in there. That's one of my favorite parts of the game when you're panicking how you're going to get from one spot to another. And you're like, oh, that's right. I can go through the secret passage. And I just think they did a really good job having fun with the concept, not taking it too seriously, but also not having it be real ridiculous. Like I think it could have very easily tipped to one side of the scale or the other, but um they they don't do that and i i just think it's a lot of fun it's better than any movie based on a board game would have a right to be <laughs> is it the best movie that's been based on a board game i can't think of any that would top it so <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to say yes <laughs> yeah so much better than candyland i yeah. don't know man battleship <laughs> don't don't just just stop <laughs> don't <laughs> When Dragon Con made that uh, parody of Jenga, yeah. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, well, I guess with the, you know, the, the non-success of this and uh, the aforementioned Battleship, I guess uh, they, the, the studios are like, no, nah, board games are not really where we should, we should go. And- well, well, you say that, but last I heard, they are considering a remake of this movie. Yes, I heard. I, I did God see a- something about that with the uh, Ryan Reynolds attached. In some God way, help right? us all. <laughs> and by the writers of Deadpool. Well, so, you know. Uh, Alex, what about you? Any any sort of uh, thoughts about the the relation of this movie to the game? Do, do you know one thing that I love that they put into this film? The envelope. Mm-hmm. All important envelope and the board game, the 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 weapon, everything is hidden in that envelope. You have got to make it through. And sure enough, one of the key things in this film was the envelope because in this movie it contained all the evidence, mm. um, which I just thought was brilliant. I love how they did that. 
And how many of us wanted to burn it? <laughs> All of us. Yeah. <laughs> Not my sister, apparently. I, you um, know, th- thinking about that, I was, I, I'm reminded that Tim Curry actually does the rules in that scene in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, we're trying to find out who killed him and with, where and blood. with what. Yep. So that, I mean, they, they literally, they, they put it in the film, which I think is great. Um, we, we've talked a lot about all the different performers and everything like that. We do need to give a special shout out to Kelly Nakahara, oh, yes. uh, who yes. played the cook and who we lost earlier this year. So oh, um, yeah, wow. not to bring this all down or anything like that, but um, I, I definitely wanted to make sure. Cause yeah. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do in this film uh, aside by falling on, uh, on, on, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Colonel Mustard Green. No, uh, Mr. Green. Was it Mr. Green? Yeah, because yeah, he tried to catch it. Somebody help me! Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it happens again. To right? Him he goes, well, where? Yeah, yeah where, where is he? He falls. <laughs> well, and she had, she had to kiss Martin Mull too, so that must have been a struggle. <laughs> Not the worst thing in the world. Well, mm. I, I had to. I was sort of taken out of the actual movie because there's a scene, and then the scene where they sort of drape her over the couch. Mm. Uh, Christopher Lloyd sits next to her, and he's kind oh, of yeah. trying to figure out where to put his hand. And I'm just like, "How awkward for you as an actor! Like, you know, where, uh, you know, you you're, do you just yeah, you just go for it." And he just put his hand right on her rump. Uh, what about you, Mike? Any any sort of sort of references to the game that are there that you'll appreciate it or you are missing? I love the scene when they reveal, you know, the different weapons, and each one pull opens the gift and pulls it out. That was just so well done. And I I yelled at the screen this time, "Don't touch it! Your fingerprints will be all over it now." <laughs> and it it was just it was a lot of fun, and the envelope and just the whole scenes and the whole getting it all together. It was just so well done. And then the secret passages, those were awesome. Yeah. I also like the fact that, I mean, I guess that's why they had to introduce a bunch of characters because to kill, because each one of the weapons is used at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to see that like, yeah, not only are they introduced, but every single one of them is used. I mean, that's what, that's what the, 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 the saying is, right. If you're writing, yeah. like you, if, if you introduce a gun in act one, it has to be fired by act three. Right. Yep. And sure enough, yep. all the all the things that check, are introduced in act gun. one are used. So I do find it funny. They lock up all the other weapons, but they, they manage to still leave the dagger and the candlestick out after they do that. It's like, you can reuse these. They're right there. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it, I guess, as a, as a comedy, as a satire of detective or mystery or whodunits. Um, how does it hold up? I know that there's, a, there's actually not that many uh, really, I think, successful or great uh, comedy attempts at this genre. Um, and a lot of them were done sort of around the eighties. Um, but, or earlier. um, yeah. yeah, or earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind for most of us is murder by death. Also with Eileen Brennan. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Yep. Yeah. She is in both of those. Um, uh, where, where do you sort of rank this as, as sort of being one of the best of those? One of just one of them, <laughs> uh, Darren. Uh, I, th- I think Murder by Death is trying to do something completely different. It's calling out mystery writers, yeah, on, on their char- shenanigans yeah, and, characters, yeah, yeah. and characters for that. Um, 
just one note about uh, Eileen Brennan in that movie, you know, in the sequel, the quasi sequel, isn't it called the great detective where Peter Falk plays the same character, but Madeline Kahn is his girlfriend in that movie. So another clue tie in. Mm. Um, I I think it's a, I think it's a decent movie, but it really does tend to fall apart for me. It's really dry and some of the jokes no longer fall. They don't land where they should anymore for me in murder by death. Some of that humor is kind of old and dated, but um, I think if you're interested in murder mysteries and you want to have a, a fun evening, you can certainly camp this up in MST 3K at in a heartbeat. Yeah, I do agree that it's a it's 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 different in the it's it's taking specific shots at uh, very iconic murder uh, detective character. You have poor Peter Sellers being <laughs> rather on <laughs> PC in that movie as the Charlie Chan character. So Look, he did, the, he did the same thing with Fu Manchu. I mean, he's not, yeah. he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't, yeah. uh, that was not new that, territory for him. No, not it's at just, all. It has not aged well for <laughs> us now. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true though. Um, you know, but in some cases, you know, those Charlie Chan movies were just, I mean, the original ones were just as bad with oh, that sort of yeah, thing as well. Totally. So, so, uh, but, and if you don't know, uh, you know, if you've never seen Sam Spade or Poirot or, or Charlie Chan or Miss Marple or whatever, then some of that just food is, uh, you know, goes yeah. over your head. You so. need to know the genre in order to really enjoy that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I would I, still I, say Clue is the superior comedy. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a bold statement. Ashley, what do you think? So I don't have a lot of experience with uh, whodunit comedies. I was trying to think, and the only two I'm, I might have seen are <laughs> Clue and Knives Out, but I think it's kind of fun to compare those. Knives Out is, of course, really recent, and I think there are some interesting traits that it does share with Clue, like the cast of eccentric characters and all these people kind of trapped together in a house and there's motives for pretty much anyone could have committed the murder, but who actually did it. So I think it's kind of fun to see the evolution of that story. It still works in modern times. I would like to see more whodunits. I really enjoyed a murder on the Orient Express, which I think came out a couple of years ago. And I think sometimes people may mistakenly think like, Oh, that's a genre from the past, you know, that, could be outdated now but it's really not um i would like to see that continue to be updated and clue of course is still very funny watching it today so i think that's a genre i would love to see people expand on yeah i I definitely agree do you can you think um because i was thinking about knives out as well it's hard not to both take place Mm -hmm. in new england mansion right um do you think that Obviously, that was uh, influential to um, uh, to to making I, that movie. Did you, did you feel that that's yeah, an influence? Yeah, I would be really shocked if he wasn't at least a little inspired by Clue. And it feels like it's a type of movie that uh, the director would have enjoyed and maybe been inspired by just just a little bit. It is kind of with the similars again with like the great ensemble cast of characters and actors so um uh yeah i would be surprised if he didn't refer to that movie at all when he was making knives out i agree with that actually a lot yeah yeah uh alex what about you um um any any sort of other mystery comedies that you can think of that uh, are along these lines well you've got battleship of course and uh, no, um, although I guess the, the only mystery I think is how did that get made? 
Um, no, I, it, it, again, it's, it's, um, it's a very, it's a very niche, uh, thing, not only to do as a whodunit, but to do a whodunit comedy. Um, and yeah, I, like, like what was said, we, you know, we could talk about murder by death, which came out in 1976, I think it was, um, so. you know, and, and I, you know, I love that one because they would show it all the time on the, the CBS, uh, uh, Sunday night movie. I didn't get any of the jokes, but I enjoyed it. Um, and you know, this one certainly, the problem with it is, is, is a, 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 a whodunit comedy is probably going to make about $14 million total. And that's a problem when you're in the movie business. Would something like this, I I think a, a, a movie like this comes along once uh, with lightning striking just at the right time. Because again, you take a look at that cast and it's brilliant. You take a look at the writing of the film, and it's brilliant. You take a look at the execution of the film, and for the most part, it's brilliant. The fact that nobody went to see it when it was in theaters, except for Mike, who went twice, um, you know, uh, um, shows that sometimes you can make something great, and it's not going to be paid attention to until later. And this was a movie that would have probably done better starting on video and going, here's this awesome movie with this awesome cast and it's got three different endings and you could only see the three different endings on video. Um, so I don't know. It'd be kind of, you know, that being said, you know, pirate movies for a long time were out of, were out of uh, Vogue. Mm-hmm. Westerns were out of Vogue. Tron movies were out of vogue. Um, oh, wait, no, still are. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, you know, with, with the success of a movie like Knives Out, uh, it would be very easy to go back and do a, a whodunit. But if you'll recall, was it last year that we discussed Murder on the Orient Express? Yes. How did that go for us? I enjoyed it. I liked it too. I love the mustache. Oh, that's right. I was the only one that hated the film. There you go. Sorry, Alex. There you go. So three out of four, three out of four moviegoers and one uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, wow. I, actually, Alex, I'm on your side on that one. If I'm going to watch Orient Express, I'm going to I'm going to watch the 1970s version with Lauren Bacall. The cab represent. Sorry. So. That is a good one. Back, back uh, when Hollywood actors were actually, you know, glamorous. Well. <laughs> uh mike what about you um uh, i know we're getting running a little late here but uh there how does this hold up for you as far as uh, a, a murder comedy oh it holds up really well you know i've been trying to rack my brain trying to figure out what later comedies they did like murder mysteries and i don't think anything even came close to this movie and, you know, it was interesting because when I was watching it, I love the scene when uh, Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet pull up and the car stops <laughs> and the lightning goes off behind the mansion and everything. It's like, why aren't you driving? The car, the car is scared. scared. <laughs> I love that. that. And looking at the mansion there, it's like all of a sudden I thought, 
wait a minute, where's Riff Raff singing? There's a light at the Frankenstein play, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was just awesome. And I don't think anything's really come close to this and that's what makes it so unique. Yeah. I definitely put this along the lines of murder by death. And uh, there was a TV movie that came out in 1980 that I really, really loved and appreciated called murder can hurt. You. Um, it is a parody of detective and police TV show. Yes. Uh, it is, uh, it had, um, uh, John Biner and Tony Danza as, uh, a, um, Har- Starsky and Hutch kind of guys. I'm sorry, Jamie Farr and John Biner as Starsky and Hutch. Tony Danza played a, uh, Beretta type, uh, guy. Gavin McLeod was no Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there was, uh, a, a, there was a, you know, uh, Columbo and Mrs. Columbo. There was, there was all sorts of like, you know, all the TV uh, dramas or or I should say detective stuff was that was done then was being parodied in on that um it's hard to find <laughs> no lie no lie no lie I thought that I had made that up in my head no you did not make it up in your head there's a it's moment very- in which they go into a balloon factory and uh not Jamie Farr's character but John Biner's character winds up falling on top of the, one of the balloons. The balloon takes off, and that's how he gets taken out of the film. But he keeps being seen throughout the rest of the film on top of the balloon. <laughs> and I promise you, that's the only thing I remember about that uh, about that movie. And- it is. Uh, I think you can see it on YouTube now. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm uh, gonna. Uh, I just found it on YouTube, so I think I might be watching that tonight. Uh, but. Uh, Anyway, so that's one that I would, uh, obviously that's not nearly as well known as, uh, uh, or probably as good as these that we've talked about, but um, uh, I, I have to thank you, Ashley, for bringing Clue to our attention to finally review. I know we've had it on the books for a while, but uh, thanks for selecting it this week, because it, it, yeah, it was really fun to watch, and I definitely recommend that people, even if they've seen it before, I think the rewatch value on this is better than the initial watch value it's great maybe even like get together some friends virtually virtually only still social distance but get everybody to watch it at the same time and because it's one of those that would be fun to watch with a group so get everyone to press play at the same time and then make a communal experience out of it so, so you're not suggesting that people get together in no. a house and have a dinner party and give out <laughs> presents to one another and enjoy this movie at the same time? That is correct. Please don't lift any sound bites from this so that Ashley Pauls is encouraging people to break quarantine and spread COVID by hosting a murder mystery party. Please stay in your own home. Communi- do it only virtually. But but I have the perfect recipe for this. <laughs> you, can, you can ignore all that, so it's okay. No. <laughs> Ashley Paul said it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it Cantonese that you're? It, it would be Cantonese. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Alfredo perfect. sauce covering cauliflower. I believe is what they were actually eating. But yeah. Oh my god! Mm. It looked disgusting. It looked absolutely disgusting. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Well, thanks everybody for uh reviewing this uh forgotten for some folks classic so um yeah we will close out the show just after this message
welcome to a geek girl's take i'm your host angela and this week this geek girl is talking about tiger king i know a lot of people love documentary shows and tiger king is surprisingly that a very strange documentary that to me almost felt like a reality show at times with just how over the top these people are tiger king follows a bunch of different zoo park owners who mostly deal with big cats, but had other animals like bears and monkeys too. It follows, for the most part, Joe Exotic, a zoo owner in Oklahoma. He is the namesake, the Tiger King. It also talks about Carol Baskins from Big Cat Rescue in Florida, and also talked about the tiger cub petting um, area in Myrtle Beach, which was really weird watching this and recognizing a place in this documentary since Barefoot Landing was in the footage. And anyone who has ever vacationed at North Myrtle Beach has probably been to Barefoot Landing. I made the comment about how this almost felt like a reality show at times because the people in this documentary are so over the top, it really feels like one. These characters which are actually real people, really make you sit back and be horrified that there are people that are just this crazy and are out there in the world. However, it is also fascinating to see how these animals are treated and how they act. Also, how the people working for these zoos, or in Carol Baskin's case, volunteering, also lived. Overall, this is a very weird and over-the-top docu-show. But it's also very interesting, and it's crazy how fast this blew up, but of course there really isn't that much coming out at the moment. And for all of you who have watched it, do you think Carol killed her husband? Who knows? Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Want to thank our guests for being here. All right, Ashley, we see you have the candlestick. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching the movie again and then chatting about it with you all afterwards. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, yes. Um, I have just recently wrapped up my Better Late Than Never Goes West blog series. Um where I went back and watched um, some classic and newer Westerns that um, I had not seen before and also really enjoyed having a chat over on the Patreon channel with Mike Gordon. We went through each one of those movies and dug a little bit deeper into the, the film and how well it holds up watching it again now. So really enjoyed that experience and never thought I would say this, but I, I like <laughs> Westerns. So um if you have any more recommendations, please send them my way because even though the blog series is over for now, I'm still excited about the genre and wanting to explore more. So really enjoyed um, that project and thankful to ESO for giving me a platform to do it on. 
we don't have anything better to do, so keep yeah. on going. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, you get the rusty wrench. I always get the rusty wrench. I know. Thank you, my friend. Uh, my pleasure, man. I really enjoyed doing this. Um, Clue is one of my absolute favorites, and uh, as, as much fun as it is to watch, it's even more fun to watch with people who haven't seen it for the first time. It um, is, so yeah. Really to cool. see what the reactions are is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anything you want to shout out about? No, I'm good. Fair enough. And Darren, it was nice to have you on for a slightly different type of episode. And you get the, hmm, let's give you the dagger. <laughs> are you calling me a backstabber, sir? <laughs> no comment. Mm, that might be safest. Yes. <laughs> I'll just bite my inside of my mouth for the rest uh, of the I'll, I'll meet you in the study. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why does it say Mr. Body on the back of my neck? Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Uh, just legionsubstitutepodcasters.com. That's where you can find me weekly. Yay. And congratulations on your 600th episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is awesome, dude. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. And you, you get the rope to hang yourself with. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, I, I knew I was getting the rope because he always gives me the rope to hang myself with. So I, I, I knew that that was coming. Um, and uh, But as always, it's my pleasure. I, I appreciate it. it. This was fun. It was a lot of fun. Anything you're going to shout out about tonight? Uh, I do. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, obviously, uh, I do want to thank Ashley for uh, spending time talking about Westerns with me as well. Uh, that's been a fun time. And then again, that is uh, available to our uh, patrons. Uh, you only have to, just for the, the, the small uh, little price of a dollar, you can have access to all of those episodes that we recorded. Um, this week, the one that I'm releasing is the one where uh, we talk about the series on Netflix, Godless. And not only is Ashley on that one, but uh, we also got uh, Jay from the Story Geeks to chat with us about it, that as well. And so that will be released this week. And uh, also, the um, speaking of Jay and the Story Geeks, I appear on their show, the Story Geeks, uh, this week. We talk about the best content for geeks that's out there right now for in all of the streaming platforms. Awesomeness. That is awesome because, you know, there's some pretty amazing stuff out there. So definitely check it out. And speaking of streaming, my shout out goes to all the musicians out there right now putting out free concerts uh, to entertain people at home because, folks, I don't think we're going to go see a concert for the rest of the year. If we're lucky, maybe November and December. But right now, I don't think it's going to be happening for quite some time. And it's wonderful to still see original content by some very familiar names putting all towards good causes because they're stuck at home, too. And, you know, it's it's awesome to see these people, you know, do their thing and up on YouTube, Stitcher, uh, many different audio and video platforms, YouTube. And, you know, it's just, it's just really cool to see Facebook has been doing it and it's just, you know, bravo for all these places that have been giving us the uh, music and everything. And, you know, some places like people like Ben folds or stuff does a live performance on YouTube every Saturday night at 8 PM Eastern. And it's pretty darn awesome. He takes requests that you can request right through YouTube and, 
you know, sometimes he'll play it if he if he gets it through Caesar what he wanted through the scroll. So it's pretty darn cool to do. And you know, I just want everyone to be safe. Everyone, please, 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 just you know, take it easy. Don't rush anything, and just take care of yourselves. Is all we can say, really. Speaking of taking care of yourself and listening to live music next week on earth station one we are going to be looking at best live music performances so hey it's right there you know kind of fits right into it so please join us for that and you know like i said from all of us from myself darren alex ashley mr mike gordon please please we will see you here next time on earth station one peace and we'll take care of yourself cheers and we're done You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.